Hello, readers. My name is Jason Jeffries, and this is Bookin', brought to you by Quail Ridge Books, Raleigh, North Carolina's trusted community bookstore. Finally, uh, at King's on Saturday, February 22nd. 2020, we're going to have Taylor Jenkins Reid, who wrote a book called Daisy Jones and the Six, which is uh, another fantastic rock and roll novel, probably the best of 2019. It's kind of written in the vein of a behind the music episode um, in a documentary style, uh, sort of reminiscent of a Fleetwood Mac kind of story. Um, Super excited to have her here. That uh, novel is actually getting turned into a television series that is produced by and starring Reese Witherspoon, so watch out for that. Um, but we are announcing, possibly for the first time, depending on when this podcast comes out, that Taylor Jenkins Reid will be in conversation with Amelia Meath from Sylvan Esso. Um, Sylvan Esso is a fantastic Durham band. If you're unfamiliar with them, look them up right now. Um, Chris fan of Sylvanesso? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they've been nominated for tons of awards in sort of the, the dance electronic uh, genre. Um, they both have, uh, both members of Sylvanesso have fantastic side projects. So uh, follow that breadcrumb trail and uh, get to a lot of good uh, local music. Yeah, I'm thankful Amelia uh, said yes. It was kind of shot in the dark to ask her to be here. Um, and we are thrilled, to say the least, to have her on board. Um Let's talk about our program at Neptunes, and Chris, I'm going to kind of let you take this one over. We got some poets coming. Last year, our poetry program at Neptunes was um, fantastic. Like, there was a really cool vibe in that room all day long, and we're excited to uh, try to reproduce that this year. Who we got coming to Neptunes, Chris? Yeah, I'm excited about our lineup this year. Um, Jessica Q. Stark, uh, whose book out on Birds LLC, um, called Savage Pageant. She'll be repping that. Um, Tyree Day will be back. Uh, He has a new book uh, coming out from Copper Canyon called Cardinal. One poet I'm particularly excited about whose work I'm just kind of getting into is Fred Joyner. Fred is the poet laureate of Carborough and ran the West End Poetry Festival this past October. So I'm really excited um, to have him. Uh, One of my favorite poetry community members is Ross White. Uh, Ross uh, runs Bull City Press and Inch Magazine um, and does a great job um, curating and bringing new voices uh, to light. So I'm excited that he gets to showcase his work. Um, Eduardo Corral is um, another exciting poet. His new book um, called Guillotine, which I think you can now pre-order, so check that out, uh, coming out from Grey Wolf. Um, will be there. Uh, Dorian Locks from NC State, one of our more decorated living poets. Jane Craven is a, a new voice uh, coming out of NC State. Um, so uh, come check her out. And our headliner for the poetry lineup will be Jericho Brown coming in from Atlanta. Jericho's uh, latest book was uh, shortlisted for the National Book Award, so we're excited to have Jericho with us. 
Yeah, I met Jericho last year at the uh, Winter Institute, the American Booksellers Association Winter Institute in Albuquerque, um, and he was psyched to come to the festival, and we're excited to have him. You know, again, shortlisted for the National Book Award. His um, book, The Tradition, is great. We have those available uh, here at Quill Ridge Books. Check that out. And Tyree Day, again, um, he was our headliner last year. Super excited to have him back. Uh, his last book was fantastic. Has won some awards since uh, we hosted in them last and let's play an excerpt of our interview from earlier this year with Tyree Day. Tyree, your book River Hymns, which is divided into two parts, has several recurring words, images, and themes. Uh, some that come to mind are dirt, ash, death, uh, cages, gin, cabbage, the mouth of a barrel. There are many more. Uh, do you, Tyree Day, view River Hymns as a collection of poems or as one continuous and thematically connected work? Hmm. I That's a really good question. I definitely, as I'm building, you know, as I start to see, like, themes emerge in, in a grouping of poems, I definitely start to order them in a way that ev- evokes this narrative. So with River Hymns, you notice the poems in the first section are uh, the speaker's younger in them, right? And then the second half is the speaker reflecting on all these things we learned in the first section. So I definitely think about, you know, this the narrative thread of all the poems together, right? So it's the narrative, the narrative thread within the poem, and then it's the thread of putting all those poems together. So, yeah. And that, that seems to be how I work, right? So one poem, a theme will break open into another poem, and I just keep building from this. So they have this thread, right, that runs through them. That's great. And um, I want to talk about an image in the poem, And We Tried to Sleep in the Summer. You write, one minute you're alive, the next you are the empty bedroom us kids are afraid to go in. What is it about these rooms, uh, once occupied by the living, now a memory of the deceased, that inspires fear? Uh, I definitely grew up in a superstitious family. Uh, I definitely still believe I guess not even call them superstitions. I guess these like these rules around uh, around death, right, and just around nature in general. And so I was, you know, I was raised to fear or respect these things. But as a child, you know, respect usually is shown as maybe a little fear, right. And so it was. I I I guess I tried to evoke that throughout the book. So there's all these moments where the speaker's dealing with death or speaking to a ghost and. Uh, kind of like the river in this book uh, has like all these complex things tied to it, right? It's not necessary that we fully, uh, like the speaker fully, uh, it's not even love, right? It's, uh, I think of the river in this book as like God, right? And so it, there's this love, but also it's this fear part of it too, right? And the same way with the dead. There's this love, but also there's this fear. There's this otherness, because it is like speaking to an ancestor, and that's not here, right? This form, there's a there's a thin wall. I feel like the speaker has to kind of put up. So yeah. And we're back. Um, we are still programming our uh, 
venue HQ Raleigh. It's a fantastic spot, and we are so excited to have them as partners. But some of the folks that we are going to have there, um, we're going to have Kat Warren, a North Carolina State University professor uh, who writes about dogs. And recently, um, her book for adults got adapted into a kid's book. Uh, So we're super excited to have her um, back to the festival. She was at the festival in 2014. Uh, when we hosted it at North Carolina State University. Uh, We're also going to have Michael Parker. Uh, Michael Parker wrote a book this year called Prairie Fever, which was possibly my favorite book of the year. We've still got eight days left, and I'm still kind of deciding, but um, definitely in the top two for now, let's say that. Um, It was published by Algonquin Books of Chapel Hill, and uh, it's a really simple book that takes place in the 1800s about a... um, a kid who becomes a teacher and teaches two sisters who he falls in love with. And it makes it sound like a simple love triangle book, but it's not. And it's just so very, very, very well written. And um, the psychological insight that Michael provides into these characters is extraordinary. Um, Let's play a little bit of an interview from earlier this year with Michael Parker. I started reading it at LaGuardia as I was waiting on my flight back to Raleigh from Book Expo, and on the plane, I know that I alarmed my fellow passengers when I gasped very loudly as I was reading page 72, and I thought to myself, my God, here I have barely started this novel, and I'm very invested in these characters. Mm. And what a wonderful thing that is. It speaks to the quality of your writing, Michael, and to these characters that you have gifted us with, both human and animal characters, and I want to thank you for writing this book. Oh, thank you. Yeah, um, my first question for you, Michael, is do you have siblings? I do, actually. I have two sisters. Um, the book is dedicated to them, mm-hmm. and I have two brothers. So, um, and I've actually written quite a few books about siblings, um, but this is the first book that I've written about well, no, actually, that's not true. The watery part of the world was involved a pair, two sisters as well. So, mm-hmm. um, but I, yeah, I'm very invested in my f- in family and writing about family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I ask you that question for an obvious reason to you and I, but our listeners may be unfamiliar. Um, would you like to take a moment before we proceed any further to set up this novel, Prairie Fever? Um, sure. So this story. Well, first of all, I'll t- I can tell you a little bit about where it came from. Mm-hmm. I never knew my grandmother on my mother's side, but the only she died before I was born, and the only thing I knew about her was a story that my mother used to tell about her and her sister growing up in Oklahoma, and in the winters, their mother would put them on the horse um, and pin blankets around them, all the way around them, so that they were completely covered um, from the snow and from the ice and from the wind, and pat the horse and the horse would take them to school the teacher would unpin them and then do the same thing after school was out so that was the only thing I knew about my grandmother um I mean I knew a couple of other things but that was the thing that stuck with me obviously as a writer an image like that is just like you know um you can get 400 pages out of just that well I did get Mm -hmm. 300 pages out of just that image um, so the book explores the sisters' relationship and also um, their relationship with um, with the teacher that comes from North Carolina to Oklahoma, um, who's sort of loosely based on my grandfather, although he did not get involved with a pair of sisters. I should <laughs> I should make that clear, but he was um, he did go out to Oklahoma from North Carolina to uh, he was a minister and he was working with uh, um, Kiowa Indian. 
Indians uh, on the reservation, and that's how he met my grandmother in Oklahoma. Um, so the book just follows the the two sisters and um, and this guy Gus. And I don't want to say too much more because I don't want to give too much away. But I do want to know what happened on page seventy two though. <laughs> well, I don't know if I can give that away if you don't <laughs> want to have any spoilers, Michael. I can tell you after we uh, after we pause the interview. The Book and Podcast is sponsored by Libro FM Audiobooks. Libro FM lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore, Quail Ridge Books. You can pick from more than 100,000 audiobooks, including New York Times bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers around the country. With Libro.fm, you'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. You know the name. But you'll be part of a much different story, one that supports community. Listeners of Bookin' can get a three-month audiobook membership for the price of one. Go to Libro.fm, that's L-I-B-R-O dot F-M, and enter Bookin', B-O-O-K-I-N, in the promo code space. With each listen, take pride in knowing that you're supporting local bookstores. And we're back. Uh, another author that I'm very excited to have at HQ Raleigh is Kwame Mbalia. Kwame uh, is a Raleigh author who got signed up to Rick Riordan's Disney Hyperion imprint. Um, wrote a book this year called Tristan Strong Punches a Hole in the Sky. It was one of our top five bestsellers here at Quail Ridge Books this year. And it hit the New York Times bestseller list for several weeks running. Um Kwame is a fascinating individual. Uh, he's going to continue to write bestsellers. We're really, really lucky to have him around here. Um, and he's, it's just kind of uh, speaks to the literary scene that we have in the Raleigh-Durham-Chapel Hill area um, when we, we have these folks around who just keep writing these fantastic novels. Let's play an excerpt of uh, Kwame Mbalia from an earlier episode of Bookin' talking about Tristan Strong Punches a Hole in the Sky. Your upcoming book, Tristan Strong Punches a Hole in the Sky, is under a Rick Riordan imprint. And can you tell us how you came to be on this imprint and what Rick presenting your book means to you? Uh, I was really fortuitous. Um because I uh, worked with a lovely group called uh, Cake Literary, and they were like, uh, Kwame, um, we want to put together a book that centers uh, the African-American cultural, you know, folk tales and mythology and legends and stories, everything that we've kind of collected, you know, as a, a people, um, over here. And that, um, for people who aren't familiar with me, that, uh, that is my upbringing in a nutshell, um, is, uh, this idea of what's called Pan-African, meaning that African people distributed all over the world, what we call the diaspora. Um, we are connected, um, by these stories, by these oral experiences that have been passed down. And when we've when we're over here in the United States, um, that's what's manifested in the Burr Rabbit and the Burr Bear um, and the John Henry and the High John the Conqueror. Um, so all of those stories were, uh, if you can believe it or not, uh, played for me via cassette tape um, in the evenings. And so I've always 
want it to look for a way to tell those stories and to bring them to a new generation, whether they be my daughters or, you know, children, you know, across the globe. Um, and so when Rick Riordan and the Disney, the folks at Disney were like, we are looking for this specifically, like I, you can't not submit to that. Um, I think the, um, I think I worked over, worked on it for like a week. Like it just, it was spilling out of my fingertips onto, you know, into the computer or what have you. Um, and I, I told them, uh, this to his face when they surprised me with him in the office. Um, that that was a video that uh, I don't want to see again on social media because it was, yeah, I, I was just absolutely fan, you know, fanboying all over Rick. But um, uh, I told him that uh, the Percy Jackson series was really big for me um, when I read it because it uh, it centered an experience that was not like. It wasn't, you know, it was, I don't want to say, um, it wasn't normal, you know. It was It was a kid who was struggling. He was struggling in school. Um, he was struggling uh, with friends. He was, he had, uh, I think, one or two friends in the classroom. Um, and as a fan, a huge fan of Greek mythology, like, those books really just pulled me in. And just, I followed them throughout um all of of Percy's tales, um, the Heroes of Olympus, and all of the expansions that Rick has done, uh, and so I told him like when to have this book published under the Rick Riordan imprint, it is an absolutely phenomenal experience, both as an author and as a fan, because to have Rick reading your work and 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 you two are working together to make your book better is a valuable experience as a writer, um, and so you just get. Um, you get both positive experience as a writer and a reader, um, as a fan and as a, you know, a business person, you, you just, you're making yourself better as a person. So it was an incredible experience for me. And we're back. One other thing that we will have at HQ Raleigh is, uh, as mentioned earlier, a writing workshop with the Redbud Writing Project uh, in Bell Boggs. We'll have information up for that on our website shortly. And also check out the Redbud Writing Project at www.redbudwriting.org. They have a lot of fantastic workshops that they host uh, in Durham and Chapel Hill here at Quail Ridge Books and at So-and-So Books um, amongst other locations. Chris, you've taught one, right? Yeah, I taught a one-off workshop about writing influenced by art at the North Carolina Museum of Art recently. Very cool. Um, Let's talk about the book fair. This year we're going to have the book fair at CAM. Um, And Chris, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, we're hoping to expand our offerings uh, and have a little roomier space at CAM in addition to some sales and other programming uh, and signings that will go on at CAM Raleigh, right around the corner from HQ Raleigh. The thing I love about the book fair is it's... um, uh, diversity of content. We have local presses, Bull City Press, Jakar Press, um, a ton of local um, and area authors um, interacting with um, their readers and hopefully new readers, and then a variety of uh, organizations like Oak City Comic Con, some rare books, uh, the Wake County Public Library. So uh, I feel like if folks are wandering around uh, the festival, the book fair has something for everyone. So uh, definitely come check it out at Cam Raleigh. 
Listeners, we are going to pause here and return next week to talk to you some more about the amazing authors we have visiting Raleigh for the North Carolina Book Festival, which will be February 21st through 23rd, 2020 in downtown Raleigh. Please visit www.ncbookfestival.com for more info. I'd like to thank Chris Tinelli for joining me. Chris and I are co-owners and co-directors of the North Carolina Book Festival. Chris will be back with me next week. My name is Jason Jeffries, and this has been Bookin'.